the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, now they're really hassling the chairman of uh, Boeing, CEO of Boeing, the great big airline company that I guess just made its last favorite airplane of mine, the 747. I love it with that great big hump. It's amazing that that plane has been around since 1969. And um, the later variants are uh, basically the same. It's the same thing. You know, it's a little bit more fuel efficient. There's a bit more computers in it, but it's basically the same plane. And, um, I mean, we have really plateaued in terms of aviation uh, progress, right? Now, something we haven't plateaued in, uh, it's much safer than ever before. When I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, do you remember it? Right. Plane crashes happened all the time, a couple of year at least, especially in our area. I remember going to see the movie Charlotte's Web in 1970, whenever the hell that was. And uh, a plane crashed on approach. It was like right on the right by Inwood, you know, basically on the border between Rockaway and Queens, right around there. Peninsula Avenue, just before it changes its name. I don't know, somewhere around there by the big movie theater. And uh plane crashed. Uh, it was huge. Uh, let's see. What's another one that was kind of when I was growing up? Uh, who remembers the Columbia Air Flight that ran out of gas, crashed right in some guy's backyard and uh, in Kings Point, <laughs> North Shore? Um, there were others, too. Um, airplanes skidding off the runways all the time. It just it was a big thing. They have figured it out. They have gotten so much safer. Of course, shortly after September 11th, um, we know what happened on 9-11, but then that other plane crashed right into, again, Rockaway. The, it was on its way, I think, an American Airlines flight, on its way to Dominican Republic, right down, got in somebody's weight turbulence, and anyway, terrible. But we really don't have these kinds of mishaps <clears throat> anymore. And everybody is panicking now because the 737 MAX lost a door the other day on Alaska Airlines. The door just popped off. And now the CEO is on Capitol Hill and yelling and screaming at him are congressmen and senators. Let's listen. He just got out of one of them, and the media are all over him. Uh, hit it. Mr. Calhoun, what's your message to passengers concerned about flying on your planes? We fly safe planes. We don't put airplanes in the air that we don't have 100% confidence in. I'm here today in the spirit of transparency to, number one, recognize the seriousness of what you just asked, number two, to share everything I can with our Capitol Hill interests um, and answer all their questions because they have a lot of them. He does not look good saying all that stuff. It sounded good, good message. But later he's, he's walking down the hallway and there are a million cameras. He looks like he was just indicted. And I think he just stands still and answer all the questions. That's what a communication specialist might tell you. That's what Donald Trump might tell you. You never notice Donald Trump never ran away from the cameras. This guy's kind of running away. You don't want to do that. The other thing is because his story is defendable. Okay, a door blew off, and we're looking into it. We're trying to do everything we can, but it is dramatically safer than it's been before. Um, I'm looking at that plane I told you about, the 747, my favorite. A great big cargo door ripped off and then ripped off part of the upper level on the 747, a huge gaping hole, like a missile was just fired at it. 
This happened in 1989, a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia, with a stop at Honolulu. Uh, United Airlines flight 8411. I'm looking at the big hole in the side of the plane. It was in a weird way. It was like no big deal. Stuff was expected to happen. Who remembers the 737? They called it the tuna can when the entire half the roof ripped off. Just half the roof just came out in flight again back in the 1980s. So we are so far ahead. Now, the 737 MAX was probably a mistake. Uh, they should have gone with the 757, the beautiful plane. 737 is kind of fat. We are basically destined to have another mishap. It's going to happen. And I think it's going to have to do with what they call runway incursions, two airplanes on the runway at the same time, and there'll be a flight control issue, flight controller issue. I hope not. Those guys are totally overworked, and they need relief. Um, Carrie Lake, total superstar. She is running for the United States Senate in Arizona. She was a Republican. I got to know her a little bit. I love her. Um, she ran for governor two years ago, and she was spectacular. She was such an awesome candidate. It was unbelievable. Um, actually, was it? Yeah, I mean, it was... Was it? Yeah, 2022. All right. She was so good and such a threat to the establishment that once she started uh, running for the U.S. Senate and getting ready for that campaign, the head of the Republican Party sits her down and has a talk with her. Don't run and we'll give you a lot of money if you don't. This guy was like delivering a message from unnamed honchos uh, who kind of run the world and are very rich. Listen to some of this. Go ahead. Is there a number at which... I can be bought. <laughs> That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. Let me go right back to what you're doing. Mm-mm. No. 10 million, 20 million, 30... No, no, no. A billion? No. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even... Anybody would think this is... I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone, I can't think of a single person in a federal race who've lost, ran in one. I can't okay. think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I'm not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. So uh, there's a lot more here, and we're going to get to it. Um, I don't know if it's illegal what they're offering, by the way. It's certainly unethical. They're offering her money to not run. Now, it would be a real problem if they said, we're going to give you this money if you vote a certain way on the issue. Now, it's still corrupt, but is it illegal corrupt? If you're a billionaire and I I don't like you and I say, you know what? I don't want you in the U.S. Senate. I'm going to give you $100 million to not run. And I'll give you some phony job somewhere. Is that illegal? I don't know. I can use my money that way. It's not good. It's not right. And Carrie Lake is a hero. And it should send a message to everybody that the the elites want to stop her. And why? Because she sticks up for the people. Really is as simple as that. Um, All right. So she sits down with this guy for like six minutes. We got the the conversation, right? Are we ready for some more? Um, The guy is like, well... I don't know. His name is Jeff, and they say he's the Republican Party chief. We haven't heard from him on this stuff. I don't think he's doing anything illegal, but it's really weird. All right? And Carrie Lake is not falling for it. All right, let's do it. Is there a number at which... 
I can be bought. <laughs> is this the, is this the longer one? I want the longer one. Okay, go. No. no. I think it's disturbing that they would even... That anybody would think this is... I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone. I can't think of a single person in a federal race who's lost, ran in a one. I can't okay. think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I'm not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. So what's going on? What is? Uh, I'm assuming this is our friend. Oh, this is this is this is back east. They there are very powerful people. They want to keep you out. I know oh, they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So this conversation never happened. Th this is crazy, though. They should want me. I'm a great candidate. People love me. These people are corrupt. Well, maybe you're right. They are right. They are corrupt. Maybe. This is right. Don't, don't go. You gotta go. I'll get myself in trouble. This, if you, if you say no, which is fine, it's your choice. Don't tell people. I They're know. gonna have, try to have me murdered. <laughs> I don't doubt that either. Face world, man. If that stuff that came out last week is right about the cartel stuff, man. I they see the cartels operating in 50 states right now. Like all 50. So. So what, what, what's going on? Who is it? What? Forget the who. Let me just tell you the what. Let's just say there are people calling around saying, gosh, no, they can't repeat this. Never repeat this. If you say no, don't. If you say, I got offered to buy out. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Because then we lose our ability to get things done other in the future. Here's this, my problem. Rather than just say, let's work with her. She's a great candidate. Because they don't own me. And it pisses me off. Yeah, it's not it's about ownership. It's about control. I don't know if it's about control. It's about being on the team. I guess that's it. You know what I mean? They want to be on the team. They want you to be on their team. But Just team. You know? But if they're pushing a globalist agenda, I can't do that. So what do they want? What do they want me to do? You want to stay opportunities. But, let me tell you what I can offer you. But, um, I said, you can do whatever you want, it's a talking head, this and that. So, the, the ask of me was, it's kind of funny. So, the, the ask I got today from back east was, this is, has to stay between us. Stop! This guy keeps saying, this has got to stay between us, alright? Don't tell anybody. Yikes. Alright. When you leave your house in the morning and maybe even in your house, no matter what you say, no matter where you are, assume you are on tape, okay? Um, assume it. Assume it. It gives you a lot of latitude. You can still, you can still, but this is, uh, this crosses a line. This guy is the head of the, doesn't cross a legal line, actually. It's just bad, dirty politics. I think he's the head of the Republican Party in Arizona, and he's like trying to talk this person, this great candidate, Kerry Lake, out of running. How twisted has the world become where you got a guy who's charged with getting Republicans elected is incentivizing this great candidate to not run with, just tell me your number, how many they want to know. It's funny. They want you on their team. What about being on her team? Isn't that the way the system is supposed to work? A democracy, right? The people of Arizona decide who they like. 
whether it's Gary Lake or somebody else, let's say it's Gary Lake, and they send her to the Senate, and she represents the people in Arizona. Who the hell are these folks back east? And what are they throwing money around like this for? It's a globalist situation. All right, keep going. It's kind of funny. So the, the ask I got today from back east was, is, is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her to keep her out? And I said, well, what do you want them to do? Whatever we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. DeSantis is not America first. This is about the final death blow to Trump. And I don't think that's good for our country. I don't think you love Trump. I love Trump. It's not good for our country, Jeff. It's not. But at the same time, I'm not even sure Trump can win again. I don't know that he can win again. I think what it really comes down to for a lot of people, it's not only about like, control or agenda, it's just about the ability to raise money to win. You know? If you really want to know, all of what looks I can can you hear what he's saying? It's all about it's all about our ability to raise money to win. Now he's kind of talking in circles. And he said, Did you said the guys ask him, Hey, is there some company out there where we can get her on the payroll and just get her money? I.e. a no show job, and they do tend to be kinda illegal. <laughs> At least with the public payroll. If it's some guy's private money, you you can do that. Again, I, I think it's dirty, but it's probably not illegal what's being discussed here. Certainly Carrie Lake is not breaking any uh, any laws. She's just listening and baffled by the whole thing. But we shouldn't be because this is the way it works. We'll be right back. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, uh, somebody's got to bring it up. <laughs> and I think that person's me because uh, nobody else will do that. There's something else that we got to talk about regarding Nikki Haley, and that's her husband, Michael. Is it Michael Haley? I don't know. I don't know. I was in the military. Um, my active duty days were over when I turned 31. I turned 31, and that was that was when I got out of active duty. I joined when I was 19, and I got out when I was 31. Now, I stayed in the reserves until I was 41, 42. Hmm. Uh, this guy is 54 years old, and he's deployed to East Africa for a year. He's ordered to East Africa, Camp Lemonier. Is that what they call it? I've actually been there. It's in Djibouti. Here's the thing. Um, you know, people get orders. You know, I'm ordered to report to Fort Myer at 10 o'clock tomorrow. I'm ordered to go to the Persian Gulf. I'm ordered to go to Iraq. You know, I get, you actually get paperwork orders. But mm, you kind of ask for those orders a lot of the time. 
you know, some people, well, let's face it, beats working, right? I mean, it's very tough at times to be in the military. It's also very cool. I had a great time. I, I learned a lot. Yes, it was dangerous, but it's kind of an adventure. He's a staff officer. What the hell is he doing over there for a year? What, why would you do that? There are ways to get out of that, and it's not dodging a draft or anything like this. Does, does he speak? Does he speak whatever they speak in Djibouti? Does he speak that language? Is he a linguist? Does he have some sort of special skill that, you know, only he has? I don't think so. There's something a little bit oddball about that. Sorry. I saw this myself when I was on, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps and actually in the reserves. And, you know, look, I even thought about, you know, I'm kind of like bored of Washington, D.C. being a correspondent. Maybe I could get ordered over to uh, Iraq. Maybe I could get ordered to maybe I could get orders to go there. And then you ask, do you guys need anybody? Sure, we do. Okay, can you cut me some orders? Yes. Now, his whole unit went probably. And, um, hey, we need uh, U.S. forces in East Africa. And anybody who puts a uniform on, including Mike Haley, that's great. But everybody has ulterior motives. That's okay. It's funny. I, I actually said this once in a in a group, and they, they looked at me like, how could you say such a thing? I said, well, you know, I mean, why, why did you join the military? And I said, well, I was going to learn to fly and kind of adventure and, yeah, you get to serve the country. And I don't know. Somehow I should have said, I am serving my fellow man, and I am putting – Mission over self. I want to serve something bigger than myself. Oh, okay, yeah, that that's part of it, sure. But, you know, I also get to do something physical and cool and, and unique and learn stuff. And I don't know, it seems to beat going to Wall Street right off the bat. And there are guys who show up at Wall Street, Goldman Sachs, and they, I want to make a lot of money. Nobody, like, nobody's appalled by that. I don't know. There's just something. I, I, I find it odd that she's running for president. And he's off in East Africa for a year. And he's going to be 54 years old. And being in the... Is he a general? No, I I think he's a major. So he's not a high-ranking officer, right? You, you get what I'm saying here? And she gets lots of mileage out of him being over there. Oh, my husband can't be here because he's overseas. Can't be here because... You know what I mean? I think it's politics. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, could I hear from Nikki Haley? This is Nikki Haley turning on uh, we were the South Carolina, turning on uh, South Carolina, the place where she became governor. And it's always a great day in South Carolina and uh, until Election Eve. We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a brown girl, brown girl, South Carolina, the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted I, to do. I, 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 me, 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 stop. All right, there is something weird about the arrangement. I'm sorry. I'm not, there's just an oddball thing. And 
I want to know more. Nikki Haley's husband joined the National Guard when he was 35 years old. It's not something you do. I don't think it's something you do in, in your mid-30s. You have a, you, there's, there are two opportunities to join the military, right after high school or right after college. You don't do it that late. And now he's over there for a year, and he's 50-something. It's just, it's, it, I think it's a political stunt. I think it's a political stunt. I've been there. I've been to Djibouti, both in the military and as a civilian. It's not exactly a hot spot, all right, in terms of uh, combat and everything like that. Then again, it's relatively close to the Gulf of Aden, and uh, there's stuff going on over there. I don't know. It seems kind of fishy to me. It, 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 it's strange. It's also strange that, the allegations regarding her personal life aren't receiving a bit more attention. I mean, it's kind of a given when you run for president, everything, everything's on the table, right? It's an open book. Unless, of course, you are a doing the deep states bidding or doing the Democrats bidding or, right? Then, well, they take care of you. They take care of you in a, in a big and kind of strange way. Nikki Haley blows kiss to husband at his National Guard deployment ceremony. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley took a day off the campaign trail to participate in a personal experience familiar to many Americans. Haley was in Charleston, South Carolina on Saturday. This, by the way, is uh, June of last year. She's running for president, uh, not for retail politics, uh, but to see her husband, Major Michael Haley, offer a year-long deployment starting this week to Djibouti in support of Operation Enduring Freedom Horn of Africa. Members of the 218th Maneuver Enhancement Brigade participated in a formal deployment ceremony at noon at the Citadel at the Military College of South Carolina, where Nikki Haley was among many military spouses in attendance to send off their loved ones. Michael Haley is one of approximately 200 soldiers in the South Carolina National Guard set to deploy. Um, okay, she's proud, she's proud, she's proud. It's totally honorable to... To join the military, it's a little unusual to join that that late in life. It's also a little unusual to join that late in life and uh, look for opportunities to go overseas when you have two young kids. As apparently he did. I don't know. I, I mean, look, I'm just talking about priorities. I'm just talking about... I don't know. It just seems a little bit... Uh... And this is kind of odd, too. Let's see here. When she meets her husband, she made him change his first name. From Bill to Michael, why Mr. Haley switched names. The circumstances surrounding the name change of Michael Haley at the suggestion of his wife and Republican politician Nikki Haley has sparked debate about names and identity. This is in the BBC a few months back. Actually, a few weeks ago. Do we resemble our names? And if so, what's the difference between a Bill and a Michael? Okay, so in her book, Miss Haley said that when she first started dating her husband, South Carolina National Army uh, Guard Major Michael Haley, he went by Bill. Instead, Miss Haley decided his middle name was a better fit. From that point on, I started calling him Michael, and all my friends did the same, she wrote. He looks like a Michael. Before we know it, he was universally known as Michael. <laughs> Excuse me. Bad enough that women are telling us how to dress, how to act, how to what to eat, not eat, all that stuff. And she's going to give him a new name? 
The whole thing is a bit weird. It's just weird. It is. We can talk about this. By the way, I hope he's safe over there. You know, Djibouti. Oh, boy. What do I remember about Djibouti? Ah, I remember this. We went out into town, and they had something called kat. Have you ever heard of kat? K-H-A-T. It's like a bamboo. And the the people from Djibouti, the Djiboutians, they would eat this stuff, some of them, all day long, and it gave you a high. It's like... um, it's kind of like a, a more intense chewing tobacco. Cot. Did you ever hear of that, Don? Hello? Yes, uh, cot. If you look at uh, Somalia, it's popular there, too. Is that right? Yeah, I, rem- I haven't thought about cot since somebody offered me some cot, and I said, thank you, no. But I will tell you this, I had some pot! <laughs> I did, actually. I was not in the military on that time. I was, uh, I was there as a reporter. And I went, uh, what the hell did I do? I went swimming, and they have these great big whale sharks over there. And I went swimming with the whale sharks. Anyway, one thing led to another, and I smoked a joint. And I didn't like it. It made me nauseous. And uh, that's what I remember about Djibouti. That and a few other things. All right, Don, what's up? Well, uh, you were talking about the New York Times earlier. And uh, one of the people who is the reputation at the Times is Walter Durante, who is the Times correspondent at the Kremlin in the 20s and 30s. He won the uh, Pulitzer Prize for it, but he ignored things like uh, the, the uh, Ukrainian famine, the purges, the executions. Everything was sweetness and light, as he reported it through the New York Times at the time. And he was, uh, he was their guy. And, you know, it's nice to see when things stay the same. But your thing about the reservists, I retired at age 60 as a chief warrant officer four out of uh, Special Operations Command Europe on my 60th birthday. And uh, hearing about a 54-year-old doing that, those guys are the institutional memory of commands like Europe and AFRICOM because there is no institutional memory when you've got people rotating in and out two years at a time because they learn the job. And then they're on their way out. So those repeat offender reservists are the institutional memory of the command, along with the civilians who managed to stay there over a long period of time. Otherwise, there is none. You know, there is that. You're right. There is this relentless turnover as the military, you know, wants to create well-rounded officers. And as soon as you learn your job, you're off to some school. And then you're off to some other assignment that has nothing to do with what you primarily know. So there is that. But. Let me ask you something. I mean, um, do you find it? Do you see the political potential, political expediency here? She can go around talking about her husband who's deployed overseas, and most people think, oh, my God, he must be at war. And um, a year, one year, I don't know, to join when you're in your mid-30s, it, it, does, it seems a little bit odd. But there are some oddballs throughout the military, myself included, for a while. I don't know. Don, what do you make of that? Well, look at government. Look at Congress. And look at how few veterans there are in Congress. And you, if you look at the great actually, population. Actually, it's kind of changing. There are all kinds of veterans. And you know what? I'm a little bit over. I'm a veteran. Therefore, I'm supposed to have uh, special status. I'm a little bit over that. Because that's how part of that reverence, which came from a good place, has been... I hate to use the word weaponized against us, right? 
how can you question the men and women of the Pentagon, right? And then Mark Milley can do all kinds of mutinous, weird things. It, it doesn't, you know, I, I don't want to hear about, it's great, all right, but what can you do today? What, what can you do? Just because you have a uniform on doesn't mean you're better than anybody, all right? I knew all kinds of people who got court-martialed when I was in the Marines, all right? I mean, I did, and you probably do as well in the Guard. So, uh, and now you can't swing a dead cat without, you know, there are all kinds of veterans now, right? Because we got a lot of guys, a lot of war veterans out there, post-Afghanistan, post-Iraq. It still sells well with the mainstream media, right? They're still kind of intimidated by that. and They pay it respect because most of them have never served. But I want to go back to him. And if I went too far on that guy, you can let me know. But I find it a little bit peculiar with his wife running for president at this time that he's over there. And then much earlier in his career, when he wasn't the institutional memory, he joins in 06, which is an odd time. You know, we're five years into Iraq, which is going uh, two years into Iraq, which is going downhill. Five years in Afghanistan, where it's a total stalemate. And now for one year and one year before, you kind of have to go out of your way for the orders, right, Don? Well, you can say I'm open to it if you want to ask me. Well, there you go, right? I'm open to it if you want to ask me. And, Don, i got to ask you something. Let's be real here. All right? There are some guys who, quite frankly, you know, home life sucks. Um, You know, their regular civilian job stinks. Uh, if I deploy here, you know, it's kind of win, 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 extra money, tax free. Uh, people think I'm a hero and, uh, you know, I get away from this humdrum life for a bit. Don, be honest. There's something right, right. Honestly, I would get away from that entire topic because frankly, if he's chosen to serve in a place like that, which sucks, that place, that place is one of the ultimately bad places to be stationed for a long period of time. It's not that That's bad. Like- I've, I've been there. I had I had ice cream cake. I had ice cream cake and, and, and on that base. Hoa, those people at Hoa hate life while they're there. They like the fact they can't spend money, but they hate life. Well, there are ways around that. I don't think they hate life. I've I've been. Have you been there? I. Luckily, no. All right, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I have been there. It's not, it's, it's not what you're describing. And to no. spend all that time reading and working out and getting the job done, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not as an unpleasant alternative as you're making it out to be. Respectfully, uh, it's, it's, it's better than prison. Yeah. No, 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 Don. It's a hell of a lot better than prison. Okay, there are. A lot. I just told you about the ice cream cake. I can tell you about a lot of other perks too. All right. You know where I bought my first. We didn't call them iPhones. We called them iPods. You know where I got my first iPod? At a PX in uh, Tikrit, Iraq. Okay? <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to get the iPod or the uh, flat screen TV. It was, one of the, it was one of the two. I mean, it was almost insane. And actually, there, there was so much stuff over there. Um, and granted, it was dangerous, but you had these mega bases. And it was almost like... We, we were we were risking people were risking their lives to keep these mega bases supplied with all this stuff. It was a real circular thing. It bothered the hell out of me. Uh, all right, Don. Any uh, what do you do now? You're, you don't. What do you do now? I build uh, programs for companies that want to hire veterans transitioning from active duty. Oh, so you're all over so, this stuff. Uh, I am. I am on it like something on something because it's. Uh, 
It's the greatest thing I've done in my life. I've been part of putting probably over 4,000 people to work as they transition out of active duty. And that was from the middle of the, the, uh, the whole Iraq and Afghanistan thing up to now. Why do we make it sound, and though? Sometimes when people start talking about veterans, and I'm a veteran, you're a veteran, they make it sound like we're hard up. Like somehow, you know, I don't know, like like we're a distressed cohort of people. No, but and some, you know, with the grievous injuries, you know, there 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 is that. But sometimes I feel like, I, and, and 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 folks out there are offering shortcuts, and and I don't know, I don't know. As you know, there's a bit of, there are some grifters in the help veterans community. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. And there are some people known to exploit it, and I don't like it. But uh, anyway, Don, you sound like a great guy. Keep in touch. Many thanks. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, so here's what my Muslim friends are. You say you have lots of Muslim friends, and they agree with you on, on, on this immigration. I have Muslim partners. Okay. Hey, so what the hell is this? You know, Don Lemon from four years ago? That's not the clip I wanted. <laughs> I, uh, forget it. Forget it. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, last night, but, hey, we all know what happened. He cleaned Nikki Haley's clock. Now, some I hear are saying, well, this is actually good for Trump that he has opposition. It's going to make him a better candidate. Um, no. Actually, now is the time for Nikki Haley to get out because she's doing three things that are screwing us up. Those of us who want to take back the country, right? Uh, win in November. Number one, um, Nikki Haley is, well, the donors, um, the billionaires, right? They're still giving her money and they're at least not giving to Trump. We want them to stop that. We, there's actually some work that's going to have to be done to kind of create those relationships between Trump and some of those billionaires who have been employing Nikki. There's that. And that's going to continue, it looks like, for the time being. Uh, what else? Um, the Republican National Committee, when you are the presumptive nominee, I don't understand it entirely, but um, you have a hell of a lot more sway with the Republican National Committee. You can actually start putting your own people into big spots over there. So you, the candidate basically becomes the party. The candidate controls the RNC. That's not happening right now because Trump isn't there yet. And uh, what's the other thing? They're going to have to go to South Carolina now and campaign when there are other states they could be going to, battle, battleground states, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, what are some other, what, uh, Nevada, that's a swing state these days. I mean, he's going to have to focus on, he can't focus on those, on those things. He's got to go to South Carolina. So it would be really great for everybody if uh, Nikki got out, but it's going to be really great for Nikki's pocketbook. I think if she stays in, it enhances her profile and uh, she'll be paid off for her trouble. Uh, maybe immediately. All right. I got to go in a moment. Ellie, hello. Hi, Greg. I uh, just want to quickly report. I read this morning uh, from the Gateway Pundit uh, that Kara Kestranova yesterday, when she was waiting outside of the court, um, she wanted initially to uh, question Lila Morris, who was testifying at the uh, the hearing for Luke Coffey, the J6 defendant. I... Uh, when, I'm sorry, when Lila Morris left the courthouse, she was surrounded by federal agents and, and prosecutors. 
so they weren't they were not unable to ask her questions. So Kara Castronova was interviewing one of the uh, prosecutors, and it, somewhere in the middle of the interview, one of the guys that was walking with them, most likely, you know, a maybe somebody from uh, I don't know what he was. He was he was you know one of the officers. All right, what happened? He he shoved her. Now the film doesn't show her hitting the ground. I don't know if she hit the ground or not. He just turned around. He's like three times his size, and he shoved her away. And you can clearly see the guy's face in in, in the video. So I don't know if she got hurt or what. But well, I'm looking at her Twitter right now. I'm waiting for the big moment. I mean, she got shoved, huh? I don't like anybody getting shoved. Let's see it. I'm looking at it right now. She's trying. She's talking. To, he's not a prosecutor, by the way. Whoever he's, is it? Is it? Oh yeah, it is. All right, hold on. We love Kara. I'm watching her interview this guy. Everything's fine. He's saying no comment. Good for her. She's asking the questions and she's not answering. He's not answering. That's his right. Uh Uh-oh. Somebody blocked her. Uh, looks like somebody bumped her kind of obnoxiously, but I don't, I wouldn't call that assault. I wouldn't call that assault. That's being jostled. That's just being jostled. And I don't want to make a federal case out of it, but I do want to praise, uh, Cara Castronova. And thank you for bringing that to my attention, Ellie. Lou in Queens. Hey, um, I got, uh, you know, people make fun of, uh, people that question, uh, what happened in the last election. But I'd like to bring up something to you. As you well know, uh, the Texas uh, DA, District uh, Attorney General, brought up a case against Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. He should have, by the way, included North Dakota, Arkansas, and Texas. And the fact that during this COVID epidemic, we had governors... Change the rules. Change the rules without changing the law. Yeah, yeah. He, ra- he brought that. He brought that case, and uh, I think it was the Supreme Court got involved and dismissed it, saying states can't sue another state under some sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. And exactly. So then, my question is: It was dismissed because they said Texas didn't have the right. All right. To get to your point. I know. I already states. said that. So what's up? So then, who's supposed to enforce? the Constitution of the United States when it says state legislatures should have to approve voting laws. All right, we'll get right on that. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, 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 hopefully hopefully we have nice people at the state assembly. I don't quite understand your question. Sorry we're out of time. Sorry, Sandra. Sorry, Cliff. Sorry, Rachel. Sorry, Jessica. To be continued all. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.